Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Aftermath. Turn to Genesis 13, and we're going left to right as much as possible, so we'll start here. There is a principle out there, and as a matter of fact, a guy by the name of Albert Einstein, this quote is attributed to him, and he said this, supposedly said this, you can verify this, but I'm pretty sure he did. The most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. Now, why would he say that? And we've got guys that do financial planning stuff. We offer this stuff in our church. And I remember maybe 30 years ago, 20-something-year-old kid, single, before I got married, and someone said to me, Richard, if you will put away like 100 bucks a month, you make your money, put away 100 bucks a month, invest it wisely, it'll turn into like millions of dollars. Anybody ever heard that? You You run the numbers if you, you know, got 5% on your money a year, you put 100, another 100, another 100, 1,200 a year. There's even a formula. Let me read you something here. Interest computed on the original principle, this is compound interest. Interest computed on the original principle plus any accrued interest. Thus, if 5% is the rate of interest per year and the principle is $1,000, the compound amount after one year will be $1,050, right? After two years, it'll be 1,050 times 0.05, that's $1,102.50. After three years, 1100 2 times 0.5, 1157, 63, and so forth. Mathematically, if P is the original principle and I, the rate of interest, expresses a decimal, the compound amount at the end of the nth year will be P and then bracket 1 plus I, close bracket, to the nth power. The growth of the compound amount is exponential and not linear. Something happens to your money. It doesn't just sit there. It grows. Something happens to your money. I'll tell you what happens to most of our money. It doesn't stay with us. You get your 100 bucks, you see something you can't live without, and you spend your 100 bucks, and then you get to my age, and because you could come up with all kind of stuff, other stuff, you don't have $2 million. You have everything else you had that's just gone, right? Now, I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands. There are people sitting here today and some listening who would, if we could go around the room, would say, I actually have a pretty big nest egg. And I say, well, how did you get that? You say, well, I saved. I invested simple compounding interest, took over over 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And you say, well, why are you talking about compounding interest and accountants and all this stuff? The sermon has nothing to do with that. If we are wise enough, though, to apply these principles to our lives, our physical lives in terms of our money, then what are we doing in the same category when it comes to spiritual things and compounding interest in spiritual things? All right, now let's jump back in here and go to Genesis chapter 13. And I'm going to read you a bunch of passages, little verses out of Genesis, all to a guy named Abraham. Genesis 13, 16. 
And God looks at him and says to him, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be actually like the dust of the earth. It's a metaphor. It's a way of saying it's an innumerable crowd of people. Now, how is it that God is saying to one man, Abram, to begin with, and he became Abraham, God changed his name. He says to one guy, you are going to turn into an innumerable multitude of people, and you're just one guy. It's a simple principle of multiplication in this case, right? You say, well, of course, if he has kids, and then they have kids, and they get married and have kids, well, certainly over enough time, you're going to have a huge mob of people from just one guy. Go to Genesis chapter 15. Again here he says to him, then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So first it's the dust of the earth. You're going to have that many kids. Now he comes at him again. See the stars? That's what's going to happen. Now at this point in his life, this is not happening. He doesn't have all these kids. He's not a nation. He's just one guy with some faith, right? Abraham had a lot of faith and God chose him, picked him, called him out, said you're going someplace you've never been before, trust me, and Abraham believed and took off, and now we read about it and go, well, yeah, it worked out great. But why did it work out great? Because God said something was going to happen, and somebody believed it and acted on it. Genesis 17, 6, another spot. Same guy, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Now it's not just a bunch of people, it's not even a nation, it's nations will come from you. Now without being too crass here, men carry seed, and seed deposited in the right place causes the humanity to multiply. We as believers carry seed. And God puts faith in us, and he gives us promises, and he says, okay, here's what I'll do. Here's what I have said in black and white on the page. I'm going to back up my word. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to believe it? Can you see past your nose down the road? Not in terms of accumulating masses amount of money down here, but what are you doing with your life? Not just in this life, and I'll explain this as we go through here along the way. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And let's jump in at verse 19. Now honestly, and I'm still, I don't know that I'm sure yet where this lands, but I'm seeing these verses a little bit differently. And I'll explain that right now. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. A lot of money gets raised in churches off of these verses. Because what does it say? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, don't stockpile stuff. I went to somebody's house the other day and they had lapis lazuli countertops and backsplash in their kitchen. So much a square inch. And you say, oh, what a waste. You know what? Everybody listening to me is wasting something. Don't be jumping on the lapis lazuli countertop people. (laughs) You all self-righteous and you know... Once you've sold everything you've got, you know, you've given up your orange shoes and, you know, everything you've got. (laughs) Once you're down to one suit of clothing and a meal for the day, then I'll talk to you about talking about the countertop people. Everybody listening has got fluff and excess. Nobody's sold it all that I know of yet and cashed it in and, oh God, I got nothing but you. 
But it does say here, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so how do you, if you can't lay up stuff here and you do have money, how are you going to get your money to heaven? You know, what does that mean? I think the easy thing, I don't take this wrong. I'm not saying that money is the easy thing, but there are huge churches all over the world that people walk in and the easier thing to do sometimes is to give money because what we're really after, in my case, you know, we need money to operate. Don't get me wrong. I'm after you. Because I'm going to have to answer one day, and the elders of this church, leadership in these churches are going to have to answer one day, what did you tell those people? Did you tell them, you know what, you just sit out there on your butt and write checks and we'll do the heavy lifting because you're not a trained professional. We've been to seminary school. we got degrees where you shouldn't be operating in this area because we are highly trained people. You know what, if I'm doing my job, you end up the highly trained people. See, you've got the same God living in you that I got living in me. Then let him live. Let him speak. See, that's the stuff of life. That's where we live. That's what we're doing or not doing. How do you get your treasure on the other side? How do you get to the place where you're doing the stuff you're supposed to be doing? It's when you give your life away. Now, giving your money away is part of that. I'm not discounting that at all. But show up with you. Show up at the altar and say, I offer me, my body, all of me, a living sacrifice. I sacrifice. In other words, I will lose my life for you to gain it and take it and do whatever you want to do with it. What do you want to do with it? I'm yours. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, I'm yours. We sing about it, but doing it. Go to Luke chapter 14. This is actually going somewhere, so just stay with me. Luke 14, 12. This is Jesus talking again. He says, Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. You know a lot of this tit-for-tat stuff that we do. I'll make a contribution to your charity because I know if I make one to yours, you're going to have to make one to mine. So I'm going to raise as much money from you as I'm giving to you, so that'll all work out. Or if I invite you to my party, now you're obligated to invite me to your party, so now i got a party to go to. He says, don't do that. He says, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You say, well, when do I get mine? Number one, you shouldn't be doing it that reason anyway. But let me tell you something. You'll get repaid. The problem is we settle for so little on this side. I need a little hit now. I don't want any future hits. I want a hit now. That is what sin is about. I will not say no to me now to benefit me down the road. I will say yes to me now, do whatever I want to do, and try to stop me. And God says, okay, I'll try to stop you, and I will. And God says, look, you can either cash it in right now, or you can set a little away, a little bit every month, a little interest, whatever, and down the road, maybe even after you're dead and gone, there'll be something to show. Now, here's where I'm going. Now, stay with me really close. 
This is something that the guy that mentored me for years said to me one day. Claude said to me, Richard, he said, when you die, it's not over. And I said, well, what do you mean, Claude? And he said, well, when you die, you may be gone, but the compounding interest on your life carries forward. And he said, you don't get your rewards the second you die. You get your rewards at the end of everything. Now, is everybody tracking with me? That old man is dead, but he's still cashing in on me because he invested wisely. I don't think so sometimes, but I think overall, he said, I will pour my life into that guy because when I am dead and gone, I'll cash in on whatever he does. And see, that old man wasn't the fanciest looking guy. Not much hair, some moles here and there, messed up teeth. But I got a life out of that old man. Because he laid his life down and said, I'll go where you want me to go, do what you want me to do, I'll pay the price and give myself away. And I happened to be the lost kid at 20-something who needed some help because there was a big old hole in me that I could not figure out how to fill. Now, what he understood and what he knew is that long after he was gone, the deposits would get made. So then everything he impacted me with, I impact whomever, then that carries forward. So when you die, and then there's the big judgment seat of Christ, and they start handing stuff out. See, I may think, well, then maybe some people in the church that I pastored or people off the radio or whatever my sphere of influence say, well, then those are the people that will walk up and go, oh, thank you, well done. You really helped me and blessed me. And I heard something you said in a sermon and got saved and whatever that may be. I may think, well, maybe there'd be a reasonable amount of people. And then God says, kind of watch this. And a horde that you cannot even imagine of people walk up and say, well, this may not make much sense to you, but about a thousand years ago, you made a decision to make disciples and to give your life away. And a thousand years later, through that family tree, I got saved. And you get a commission, a great commission on the deal. You've got to see past the end of your nose. You cannot spend your life on things that don't matter and will just evaporate. You have to invest your life the way God intended for us to invest it. And the only thing I can come up with is people. I don't care how successful you are, how much money you accumulate, how well you are known here. If all you get to heaven with is what you did here, you're in trouble. There are going to be some rich people up in heaven. Because they transferred funds, they transferred their lives into other people, and they gave it away. The old man that took me on prayed and got it to the place where he was spending 10% of his time on his business, a piano business, and 90% on ministry. He said, well, I like my job. I like, you know what? You're not going to like whatever you're doing very much when you get to heaven and look at the balance sheet and understand then what could have been The reason I talk about Claude and the reason I refer to him in the way that I do is if there was ever an unlikely candidate to change the world, it was Claude Townsend. But if ever anybody did, he did. One man yielded, submitted, 
faithful, committed, looking, scouring the horizon for faithful men who would teach others also. And I don't know how all this works, but I am a debtor to Claude Townsend in some way. Part of what motivates me to try not to screw up and keep moving is that man laid his life down for me. And that's the whole point of the gospel. Somebody died so you can live. You may need to die so someone else can live. And I don't mean physically. I mean deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Where will that lead you? It'll lead you to serving other people. It'll lead you to pouring your life out. It'll lead you to making a difference. And you say, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray with my little buddy. Then let's learn. We're trying as hard as we can around here to get everybody paired up with somebody and personally involved in your life and help you get to the place where you can sit down with someone else. See, I can't get to everybody. I'm taking on as many as I can. If you're in business at any level, you need to be praying and saying, God, if I am not equipped to take someone on, then I want to get equipped. And once I am, then I'm going to look for people that I work with in the workplace, my neighborhood, wherever it is, and find faithful men and women who will teach others also and give this away so that after I'm dead and gone, it goes on. And one day at the judgment, when we give an account, there'll be something to show for this little life I got. Now, let me tell you another story, something that can happen to you along the way. I took my youngest to the mall yesterday. She wanted to go to a bookstore and certain books she wanted. So I pull in and I joke with my kids that I get preacher parking. They think it's ridiculous, but I'll pull up in the front spot, inevitably sitting there empty. Drives people insane, but it happens. <laughs> I drive around. She goes, Daddy, there's one. I go, oh, no, no, no. We're holding out for preacher parking. So I keep going. <laughs> I pull up and I stop at the very front and the very first slot is not empty yet, but I was willing to wait. And a motorcycle, a guy on one of these Kawasaki Ninja whatever things, you know, young kid, fast bike, pulls up and parks next to this car that's there in the stripes. There's another bike like that, so I thought, okay, he's there. Then two guys walk out, get in the Cadillac right by him. I'm like, there's my spot right there. Well, the two guys get in this Cadillac and I'm sitting there with my blinker on, going to turn in. And the guy on the bike, he's off his bike, helmet off, everything. He gets back on the bike, doesn't start it, puts it in neutral, rolls backwards right up on the bumper of my car <laughs> and looks over at me. And I'm telling you, I... <laughs> <laughs> If you want to know what the flesh looks like, you can ask Catherine. So, <laughs> I didn't say anything. I sat there, but I'm telling you, the water was starting to boil inside of me. And he looked at me, there's some cocky kid on a rocket. The car pulled out, and he cranked it up, pulled in there, got off, and wouldn't turn around and even look at me. And I'm still sitting there with my blinker on, staring at him. Wishing I had one of those concealed weapon permit things that people have. So... <laughs> So I just started staring him down, and I am seething inside. You know, I'm an old man now, and I could hurt him anyway, and all that stuff's going through your head. So finally, he turns around and locks eyes with me, and I could have blown a hole through him with the look I gave him. Then he starts toward the car and does this with his two fingers, like roll the window down. And I am trying to find Claude, you know, in that moment. <laughs> 
So finally I thought, you know what, Lord, you got to help me. And finally came up with some thank you for this situation. And I turned and went and found a parking spot, but I'm still looking to see where he went. That was a test. The guy got off his bike, went and sat on a little bench because I think he was afraid I was going to go push his bike over, (laughs) which I didn't really think about pushing it over. I thought about plowing into it and driving it out of that parking spot is really what I was... (laughs) but didn't get permission from the Holy Spirit to do that. Now, he said, well, why do you tell that story for? I was that close to just screwing everything up. Because what happens? He could have reached in his pants, pulled out a gun, pop, pop, pop. And because I couldn't control myself or my temper and thank God anyway and trust him and just move on. Now I'm out there, some old man fighting some 20-year-old kid and getting arrested and over what? And they say, explain to me what happened. He took my parking space. (laughs) Now, how are you going to do that in court? I don't care what attorney you come up with. It ain't going to work. Why did you punch him? He took my parking space. It was mine. I have witnesses. My girl right here, she could tell you. And she's just praying I don't go talk to the guy and get us both killed. See, I'm trying to get someplace. And I got somebody, there's bumper sticker says, steal, kill, and destroy, trying to stop me every day. I promise you, as sure as I'm standing here, all that was is a plant. And the enemy maneuvered some guy and God let it happen. Say, okay, big boy, what are you going to do with that? And try to keep moving. I've been hitting other ways. So have you. What are you going to do with it? And what are you doing with your life? The only life you're ever going to get. You say, well, I don't have any fancy people or somebody that I think is really going to change the world. You keep watching, you get ready, and God will provide you somebody. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. All right, let's pray. And our Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you this stuff works. And I pray for people here today who need to take a look at the aftermath, not just of their lives, but to run the numbers on their lives after they're gone and catch a glimpse, Lord, of what a little faith, not the size of our faith, but the object of our faith being you, what that faith directed in the right direction can do to literally change the planet even after we're dead and gone. And I don't know how many takers I'll get, Lord, and I know you knock on doors all the time, and the Spirit moves, but I'm asking you in Jesus' name today, Lord, and my life included, to give me a glimpse, to help me catch a vision of what is possible, not just impacting the world we live in right now, Lord, but the world after we've left it. The impact, if we would just get out of the way, if we would be willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you, and see where that leads, instead of squandering the only life we're going to get on stuff that doesn't matter way down the road after we're gone. And I pray that you would teach us to live by faith and understand that without faith we can't please you at all. Help us see, Lord, 
In the same way, couples put 100 bucks away a month and 40 years down the road, see what happened. Lord, help us catch a vision of that compounding interest in spiritual things and begin to invest in other people's lives. And for anybody who doesn't even know you to begin with, Lord, I pray that somebody today would say, God, I don't know anything about this kind of life. I don't think my life's making any difference. I've screwed my life up and I'm messing some other people's up along the way. I need to make a change and I can't make it by myself. I've proven that, God. You got to help me. I'm screwed up. I am a sinner. I admit it. I've violated most all your laws maybe and I can't clean this mess up. But I see now and understand that Jesus died on that cross, shed his blood, was buried and raised from the dead to give me eternal and a full life between here and heaven, eternal life and abundant life. I'm in. There's got to be a better way. And the world screams to me and says, buy this, go there, do that. And I spend my life in all the wrong things. Lord, teach me to invest my life in other people's lives and see the world changed. Come live in me, through me, change me from the inside out. Thank you for dying for me and being raised from the dead. And I have the promise of being with you forever. Father, we love you. We thank you for being so patient with us, so good to us, and for this simple thing called faith that allows us to see into the future. Sums of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Lord, thank you for faith. Help us put it to work today for your glory and our own good and the good of those around us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.